Hi, this is Ed Black, and we are here for the latest edition of the RG Tech Studio podcast. For this edition, I'm very pleased to be able to say that my friend and colleague, Josh Jackson, is here with us. Josh is a, a superstar uh, in the area of business and commercial collaborations involving technology issues. Josh, it's very uh, good to have you on the podcast. It's great to be on the podcast. Thanks, Ed. Now, before we get to some of the specific questions, Josh, tell us about yourself. Where are you based? You know, what's life like for you? Uh, I am based in the Boston office. Um, I, I do make it to, to many of the other offices around the country, um, but but based in Boston. I recently moved to the suburbs, um, so I so I navigate and commuting uh-huh. now, which is which is fun. But I also have a wife who works at Ropes and Gray, um, and so we are a very uh, lawyer lawyer based family. Wow! Uh, and so. Uh... Uh, at night, do you talk about law? <laughs> no, we try to avoid that. Usually, uh, try to avoid it. All right, at, at, leave it at the office. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. All right. And I know you have a young you have a young son. I, I take it he's on track to also be a lawyer. <laughs> we're letting we're keeping his options open. We're uh, we're trying keeping to, his options trying to open. Him okay. To, good. To choose. All right. Yep. So, um, sure. uh, Josh, I know your practice uh, focuses on helping uh, companies and organizations who are using tech to solve their business problems. Uh, you help them put the deals in place, the acquisitions, the collaborations, the service agreements, et cetera, that solve those problems for them. But maybe can, can you elaborate on that a little bit and, and just tell us how that works? Maybe give us a few examples. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, you said it exactly right. I, you know, mainly solving business problems through through strategic Technology transactions, um, you know, helping business people, managers, uh, other attorneys who who need help navigating those complex issues. Uh, and and are, some are examples. Are there any specific um, industries that you focus on? Yeah, the the asset management industries, um, you know, fintech, uh, healthcare industries, um, you know, the uh-huh. pure the pure tech companies. Um, yep. My practice kind of spans spans the range um, of, of multiple industries where where tech help is, is really needed from a, from a legal perspective. Uh, in the asset management space, can you, can you give us an example of a client and a situation, a set of problems that you solved? Absolutely. I think, um, one, we uh, have a large global asset manager decided to enter into a complex, complex collaboration with a major tech services provider providing back office services um, to 800-pound gorillas in the space. Uh, and you know, as you might imagine, very, very intense and complicated negotiations. Uh, you know, and, and one of the things that I do is is help facilitate those negotiations and get the parties, you know, to a space where they can both agree and solve business problems. You know, for example, one one hang-up that these these two 800-pound gorillas had was over the liability cap, uh, and so I help help them develop a, a liability framework. That allocated the risks of both parties, kind of based on their their business needs. I can't give you the specifics of those, but um, you know that that's that's a particular space where I use my expertise based on on prior deals and based on understanding the industry and and the business needs of our client and the counterparty um, to help them get to a spot where they could agree. Are there are there other industries you work in? I I know, for example, you've done some work in digital health. I know you've worked in the crypto space. Are there other examples of, of problem solving in those areas? Yeah, um, we have a client who who makes tech products 
for for the for the healthcare space, digital health. And one of one thing they like to do, they they like to acquire a lot of their their technology and product lines through through M and A. Um, and they've done a couple couple deals recently that I've I've helped out with with companies that are spin outs from universities. You know, the founders of these spin out companies they often wear they often wear two hats. They they wear their their spin out company hat and they also wear their you know university professor employee hat. And so one of the unique challenges that that I help you know this client and other clients is is making sure we drill down on the issues related to who owns you know the the IP the tech in the spin up um make sure that the, the proper rights are in place between the founders and and the company where the tech is being acquired and also making sure we coordinate with the university itself make sure you know there's no no claims on the IP make sure the paperwork's in place the right licenses um, you know, asking the correct questions about in licenses of IP and out licenses, and 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 making sure that the the acquisition is clean. And in that kind of deal, it sounds like the main parties to the deal are the client, the the tech company with the broad mix of products, the target, mm -hmm. the innovative startup that's got the great new product that the big co wants to add to its product line. Uh, but but then uh, is, is the university at the table as well for those deals? Do those end up being kind of three-way negotiations? Oftentimes they are. A, a lot of times the university has retains rights in the technology or the products, um, you know, through the form of grant back rights from, from the, the founders of the startup back to the university. So we'll, we'll have kind of a, a three-way negotiation going on um, to make sure that, you know, the university and, and the startup are, are both on the same page, and then also our client is getting the rights that they expect from both the startup and the university. And, uh, just a quick question, because you know I think of three-way negotiation, and I think of something that could just go sideways for a hundred different reasons and could cost a giant pile of money to get done. And yet, <laughs> I know that uh, our clients, uh, one of the keys for them, specifically around something like adding a technology to their product mix, is to get it done on time, on budget. How do you bring it home on time, on budget uh, in these sets? Absolutely, that, that's a great question. And I think that's part of part of value add is you know I'm able to organize and and run the process you know in a way that that makes it efficient. Um, you know I, I've done this a number of times now, and I understand generally how universities and university tech transfer offices work, and and it's very different than you know. Um, Commercial commercial industry. That's part of part of the art. It's part of the value add. Is is managing the process to, to keep in contact with them and, and keep the process efficient to keep costs down for our clients. Now I know uh, you've done a bunch of work in the the crypto space. My my first question for you is just a simple one and not a legal question at all. Look, is crypto dead? Uh, I, I mean, you know, for for so many years it seemed like it was a gold rush environment. Uh, and now it seems like it's a gold bust environment. Uh, are, 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 are people still, do people still care about crypto? I, I think crypto is not dead. I, I think it, it, it has slowed down a bit, um, you know, kind of in line with, with the rest of the economy. But I, I think there's a lot of utility behind crypto and blockchain and Web3 in particular um, that, will, that, will, that will keep it alive and well in the future. Um, and keep it around. You know, you talk about that sure. notion 
of utility, and in particular, mm -hmm. how uh, the blockchain, Web3, et cetera. And uh, just from a business perspective, there are so many things where, you know, there's a traditional way of selling them involving normal paper and humans and cash, where you hear that exact same thing is now being sold in some kind of tokenized format, uh, meaning it's attached to the blockchain. And, and suddenly you see cash jumping into that market. You see a pile of liquidity that somehow wasn't there before. Now, I have to say, looking at that, there's a part of me that thinks, oh, that's just a fad, that that's just people latching onto something that sounds new. But, but is there really, in fact, broader value and utility uh, in, in uh, you know, attaching interests and assets to the blockchain and tokenizing? Absolutely. And, and I think there are kind of two considerations. You mentioned one, um, the fad. Uh, and then the, the second is is the the utility. I think the fad portion of it is is very real. I think a lot of investment dollars, um, particularly over the last year, is, is kind of related to more of the the marketing aspect or getting on getting on board when when something's hot, um, just just a little bit, you know, for the fad purposes. Um, however, I think the second part is the more important part uh, that you mentioned, and that's the utility. And you know, blockchain and and Web three have a lot of utility over and above kind of just the the marketing fad in this situation. Well, well tracking ownership is a big thing, um, you know, particularly for, uh, for, for assets that have been historically hard to track ownership. I, I think the blockchain provides a, a good way to, to do that. I think a lot of things still need to be worked out um, and things are in de development, but there's a lot of really smart people working on these problems. Does, does it accomplish anything else, or is it, is it just a, a very convenient title record? So, so in um, a much more public way, you can know who the owner is. Yeah, title record, also the decentralized nature of it. it, it technology gives the ability for many people who don't have access to an asset to, to now have access to that asset. That's another big part of the utility of, of blockchain. So it adds a lot of liquidity. I mean, when it's operating. That's correctly. true. Yeah. Correct. All right. Well, yep. now the last yep. thing, I, you know, when I think about crypto stuff is um, one of the things, just reading in the paper, especially since the bottom fell out and everybody's suing everybody, mm -hmm. is uh, these instances where people are managing the risk associated with owning, you know, digital assets, owning crypto and digital mm -hmm. assets. You've got to keep them somewhere. You've got to keep them safe. Uh, and And I know that that's been a big business problem, especially for some of our more institutional clients. That uh, how yep. do you own the cutting edge, uh, you know, asset in a world where you don't have all the established players and systems for uh, security, custody, and so forth. And ha have you seen that? And and if so. Have you seen that in this context where where you've had to help clients deal with that issue and and how does that work? Yeah, I, I have seen that a lot and and custody is something that I've been getting a lot of experience in in the last you know one or two years as it becomes much more important uh, to our clients um, custody of digital assets, um, both you know asset managers and funds and also you know global media companies. Any of our clients who are starting to use cryptocurrency or other digital assets like NFTs, they're all coming to me and saying, hey, you know, 
how should where should we keep these? Um, what's what's the best well, technology? And, and, and what do you tell use? them? What do you, what, what do you what do you tell them? <laughs> how do you keep track? I mean, it's such a changing world. What's the answer to that question? It is, yeah. So so I've I've worked a lot now with with many different digital asset custody providers, both you know, talking to them, getting information, and also helping clients negotiate custody agreements. And so I've been you know kind of keeping an up up to date, cutting edge chart that compares different different offerings by different custody providers, both on the level of technology, you know, what technology did they use to protect digital assets, and also, you know, risk provisions, indemnity provisions, um, security. Uh, I have a have a full chart of of these comparing different service providers, and when a client comes to me, I mean, and and tells me the issue they're having, or explains the business proposition for using crypto or using NFTs, I'm able to tell them in detail you know, what different service providers will do for them, where difficult areas to negotiate are, um, or where to ask for something that they wouldn't normally give. And if they make a choice, can you help them get the deal done? Absolutely. Uh, and I now have contacts at many of the digital asset custody providers and you know, kind of connect them. And for a lot of clients, we've, we've gotten on the, on the fast track to getting these, uh, these custody agreements done just based on, you know, past negotiations, I'm able to build off those for, for other clients. So I know, you know, first who to talk to at the, at the custody providers. And, and second, you know, what are the, what are the, you know, the, the soft points or, or areas that these providers are willing to negotiate on and areas that they're not able to negotiate on. And it's really made it an efficient process for a lot of our clients who need these, these custody agreements in place. All right. Well, Josh, uh, now it's been a pleasure talking, especially about all the law stuff. But before we go, I have a couple of questions. I can't. I'm going to admit they're silly questions, silly questions. But but uh, I call it the personality test portion of the podcast. We get to see who who you really are. <laughs> okay. So let me ask you a few questions. Lightning round. Quick question, quick answer. Maybe we'll talk about some of them. But quick question, quick. Answer. <laughs> all right. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Favorite sports team. Favorite sports team is University of Michigan football team. That's one of the things I miss living in the East, uh, college sports, and the, the passion of college sports from, from the Midwest. I take it that's because you went to the University of Michigan. Is that I correct? did. I did, yep. Undergrad and grad okay. school, so I'm a very diehard. Oh, wow. Yep. Double down. Season tickets? You went yeah. to every game the whole time? Uh, while I was there, yes. I, I go back to oh, about go. one game per year now. But yep. Wow. Okay. Uh, do they have a fight song? It, yeah, Hail to the Victors is probably one of the most famous fight songs there is in college football. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> if, when we have extra time on your next podcast, I'm going to make you sing it. All right. In any event, Absolutely. favorite book? Uh, favorite book is, is Good Night Moon, um, which is a lot of people probably know as a children's book. Uh, these days with, with, the young, with young kids, I, I only have time to read children's books. So <laughs> my favorite book is currently good night moon and my son loves that one and i love reading it to him every night oh that's that's superb key question in yep. a peanut butter and jelly sandwich what is more important the peanut butter or the jelly and why that is a good question fortunately i have an expert i think at home on this question who's my two-year-old son and if i were to ask him i think he would say that that both are important uh to the sandwich. I think I think they're like the yin and the yang of the sandwich and, and one can't reach its full potential without the other. 
so so he's a he's a Buckminster Fuller fan. He he it's all about synergy. It's it's all about right. one plus one equaling four. And and you only right. get there when right. peanut butter and jelly come together. Josh, it's been a pleasure talking to you, to our audience. It's been a pleasure having you for yet uh, another uh, RG Tech Studio podcast. Please remember that this podcast is available on the RG Tech Studio webpage on the ropesandgray.com website and also available everywhere else you get your podcast. Thank you for joining us.